The title of the message this morning is Praying at the Throne of Grace. Would you say that with me? Praying at the Throne of Grace. Let's go straight into our scripture passage for today. Please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. We're looking at verse 14 to 16. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Why can we come boldly? Because we have a high priest, Jesus, who sympathizes with your and my weaknesses. He knows what it's like to occupy a physical body. He was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. God knows what it's like to live on earth. Jesus knows what it's like. And because of our sympathetic high priest, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Verse 16, I just want to read it again. This is our core focus. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Please say throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Verse 16, I would suggest to you, is actually a glorious verse, people. Isn't it a beautiful verse? A glorious verse? There are such beautiful words in it. And surely, this must be one of the most beautiful invitations in Scripture. Praise the Lord for this verse, for verse 16. Sometimes I think we just got to stop when we're reading and say, no, wait, 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 wait. This is incredible. And I want to say to you, sometimes when you're reading your Bible, don't just gloss over everything and just read like a parrot or something. Just look sometimes when you see something powerful, let it impact your heart. Let it just sit there for a moment. This is a powerful verse of Scripture. Praise the Lord for it. Verse 16 in the contemporary English version says, So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. Now look at this. There, we will be treated with undeserved kindness. Doesn't that sound lovely? And we will find help. May I ask you today, is anyone here, you can say you need kindness. Raise a hand if you say, yeah, John, I need some kindness. Is anyone here today, you say, well, I need some help. I really do. Raise a hand if that's you. Well, the wonderful thing is that your helper is standing by. Your helper is ready to hear your prayers ascending to him. Now, our passage today found in Hebrews 4 actually deals with the subject of prayer. Maybe you didn't specifically relate this into prayer But it does. It deals with prayer. And one or two things before we move into the points that I'm going to share is that 
I'd like you to realize that prayer is actually a spiritual thing. Prayer is a spiritual matter. Listen to this. True prayer is when our spirit approaches the throne of God. Another way of putting it is like this. True prayer is spiritual interaction between the human spirit and God who is spirit. Let me say that again. Listen carefully. True prayer is spiritual interaction between our human spirit and God who is spirit. We must realize that this is not so much about you know, vocal prayers as such and praying from the intellect. Your intellect could be involved, I guess. And it's not so much as human desires, but this is spiritual stuff that we are talking about when we talk about prayer. Our spirit within us, which has been reborn and we've been made alive by God, our spirit within us communes with God. Our spirit places requests before God. Our spirit communes with God and receive answer, receives answers from God. And I'd like to say to you that this is a spiritual business from beginning to end. John 4 verse 24 says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. You could apply that to prayer. Realizing that if we really want to pray as God wants it, it is not that we've got this little prayer book and we're operating from our minds. No, no, no. It is our spirit communicating with the spirit of God. So not only is worship, the, not only is God looking for those that worship in spirit and truth, but we need to pray in spirit and in truth. Something else about this aspect of praying is that we need to realize that it is essential to have the work of the Holy Spirit enabling and empowering us in our prayer life. We learned as a family many years ago through my dad that if you're going to do things in your own strength, it's not going to happen. But when you begin to rely on the Spirit of God, everything begins to change. My dad in the little Baptist church that he was in in about 1963, 64, it was dead. It was going nowhere fast. But then when he opened his life and the life of that church to the Spirit of God, everything began to change because the Spirit works powerfully within us. When we pray, the Spirit of God is working within us. Without the Holy Spirit, our prayers would simply be Dead words, religious activity with no life, no power. And so I say to you, child of God, how we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need the precious Holy Spirit. When dead religious people pray, there is no power. There could be the form, but there's no power. But however, when spirit-filled believers pray, there is power. And the wonderful thing is that as we pray these spiritual prayers, these spiritual prayers are offered at a special place called the throne of grace. There are two points that I'd like to share with you. Number one, there is a throne. Please say that out loud with me. There is a throne. 
Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. In the past, when I have looked at the scripture passage, I've tended to, perhaps as you would have as well, focus on the aspect of grace. We just look at the grace aspect. But firstly, the scripture tells us that here is a throne. There is a throne, and we want to talk about that for a moment. But before we talk about the throne, let me just say that do you know that there was a veil, a barrier that used to stop you and me from getting access to the throne? There was a time when we could not come to the throne of God. And as such, we were cut off from the living God. What a terrible place to be in. But thanks to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the veil has been ripped away, praise the Lord. And it happened when Jesus declared on the cross, he says, it is finished. And the veil in the temple, which was a thick and a heavy veil, you couldn't possibly tear it with human hands, was rent and it was torn, it was removed. And God said, now, from now on, blood-washed people have access right into the courts of God. What a glorious God we serve. And so the veil was stripped away and we have access now by the Bible says a new and a living way. Hebrews 10 verse 19 to 22 says, says we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us, look at this, go right into the presence of God. The barrier is removed. The invitation is open. Come right into the presence of God. And so I want to say to you, realize in a new way today that you have access to the living God. We have access. You can go right into the throne room the moment you begin to turn to God in prayer. We access that throne room. Now, verse 16 tells us clearly that there is a throne. And I want to say to you, if there is a throne, then there is also a king who is seated on the throne. Amen. And his name is the Ancient of Days. He is God the Almighty. He is God the Father. He is the King of Kings, seated on the throne on high. And he must be regarded as such because it is right that to whom honor is due, honor is given. And so I want to say to you, the king that is upon the throne must be regarded and honored. He must be recognized as such. He must be honored as king. Praise the Lord. And the scripture says, hallowed be your name. Jesus taught the disciples to pray. And one of the first things he says, you pray our father who art in heaven. He was basically saying that there needs to be an honor in here. And then in the same breath, hallowed be thy name. And though the world around us may not want to hallow and honor the name, you don't stop honoring the name and hallowing the name of Jesus. It's what we ought to be doing. 
And we should never treat God as though he is on our level. I heard somebody say, God is not your cosmic buddy. Yes, we can be friends with God as Abraham was the friend of God, but we should never treat him as though he's on our level because he is infinitely greater than we are. He is the great I am. He's greater. He is the great ruler of heaven and of earth, and there is no one like him, child of God. It says in 1 Timothy 6 verse 15 in the CEV version, it says, the glorious God is the only ruler. Now, in the King James Version, it uses an old word. It says the only potentate. That sounds pretty impressive. <laughs> Basically, that means that God is the only ruler. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, the important thing is that when we approach the throne of God, we need to come with the right heart attitudes. Because if we, if we don't come with the right attitude, it, it grieves the Lord. It, it doesn't please the Lord. And so I'd like to give you six heart attitudes when approaching the king's throne. Number one, humble reverence. Would you please say that? It says in 1 Peter 5 verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hands. It's talking about humility. This is something which is interesting. Do you realize the moment you begin to pray, you are entering into the courts of heaven? You are entering into the throne of God. You are entering in before the King of Kings. But he isn't just any old king like the kings on earth. I want to tell you, our king is the omnipotent God, omnipotent. That means he is the all-powerful God. Heaven obeys him joyfully. Hell trembles before him, and the earth must yield to him because he is the ultimate authority. His power can make, and his power can destroy. And the Bible says to us that our God is a consuming fire. And therefore, we should approach with humble reverence. If I think of uh, approaching with that spirit of humility and that spirit of reverence, I think of Moses. So Moses is in the wilderness, and there's a burning bush. What happens right then as he begins to realize and God reveals that he is here before the Almighty God? Moses is told, take off your sandals, take off your shoes. Why? Because it was holy ground. Why? Because he was before the God of Israel. And what Moses didn't display in that right attitude, we should do in coming in humble reverence. Number two, delight. Would you say that word? Delight. Let me ask you this question. Shouldn't we be glad to be in God's presence? Come on. Come on for a moment. Think about it. Of course we should. We should be glad, the scripture says in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, in your presence is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures evermore. And so if we think of the wonderful privilege and delight of coming into the king's presence, it should fill our hearts with joy, with delight, with excitement. We get to be before the king of kings. And the reality is that you and I, we could have been cast out from his presence, but we're not. 
We could have been in prison, but we're not. We could have been dead in our trespasses, but we're not. We are in the presence of greatness. We are in the courts of heaven, in the courts of the King of Kings. Praise God that we are not shut out. Amen. And so we are in his courts. The third aspect of the right heart attitude is total submission. Please say that. So when you come before God, we come in total submission. What does this mean? It means essentially that we don't come to instruct God. We don't come to dictate to him. We come in submission to his purposes and his plans. Because ultimately, his plan is best. And yes, that doesn't mean that you can't come with earnestness, with pleading, with persistence, with determination. But you know what? At the end of the day, this is what we need to say. Lord, I've prayed all these things, but now, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And that's how we approach the throne of the King of Heaven with total submission. The, the uh, fourth one, enlarged expectation. Please say that. Now, there's an old hymn. Many of you wouldn't even know this hymn. But these are the words, this one phrase. It says, thou, that's speaking of you, thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. Don't you like that? I mean, if you come in before a king, a king has resources and power and influence and, and gold and treasures, we need to come expecting things to take place. We need to come with an enlarged expectation. I fear that some of us, when we come before the king of kings, we come with a small-mindedness and God says, think a little bigger because I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all than you can ask or think. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Stop thinking so small. You need to begin to ask big because I'm a big God. When you stand before the throne of God, realize that you're standing before a great throne, the greatest throne in all of the universe. And so you need to ask in accordance with the person that you are standing before. Ask for great things because you are before a great throne. Ask for great things. Ask for the restoration of a marriage. It's a big thing. When you come before God, ask for the healing of a nation because that's a great thing. But it's a great throne before whom you are. Number five, confidence. Please say that word. We touched on this earlier, I won't add to that. Then number six, deepest sincerity. Please say that. You see, we should never play around with God. When we are seeking God, it needs to be done in a genuine way, and our prayers need to be sincere. My dad taught us as sons, he says, you don't mess around with God, you're sincere before the Lord. And I so appreciate that my dad taught that to us. And it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, anyone who comes to him, that is God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is people that don't mess around with God. This is people that are seeking with an earnest desire. They are genuine. And I want to tell you, God is looking for people that come before his throne with an earnest seeking as they come before him. Can you say amen? 
And so praying before the throne of God is an amazing privilege, but we need to approach his throne with the right heart attitude. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, second point, there is grace. Would you say that with me? which is God's gracious favor. This is a shorter point. Our text, back to our main text, Hebrews 4 verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne and then of grace. Would you please say the word grace? grace. The same scripture in the Amplified Bible adds a bit of color to it. Listen to it. It's on the screen. Uh, let us, therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace that is the throne of God's gracious favor. Now, we were talking earlier about the throne. Some of you might have felt a little bit intimidated by this word throne. You're like, whew, throne, that's big, that's whew. But now we find this soft word, this pleasant word called grace. Would you please say grace? And I want to say to you, yes, it is a throne, but it is one of grace. It is one of God's gracious favor. And I want to say to you that we are called to come before the throne of grace. Listen to this, not to the throne of law. Aren't you glad we don't come to the throne of law? <laughs> Do you know that there was a throne of law? It was Mount Sinai. The Israelites were in the wilderness. And there was this throne of law, and it was a scary sight because several reasons. Nobody dared near, go near Mount Sinai. There were boundaries set around it. You couldn't come closer than a certain uh, degree of closeness. When animals would come to certain areas close to that mountain, they were instructed to be killed. The Bible also says that there was smoke on that mountain ascending like pillars into the sky, smoke into the sky. It says God came down as a consuming fire, and it also says that the actual mountain quaked. How would you like to go up to the throne of law? <laughs> no, no, no. I praise God that we don't go to the throne of law. That time is over because of the blood of Jesus. We come to the throne of grace. I want to tell you those Israelites long ago would have loved to have experienced what you and I experience, coming boldly before the throne of grace. Now, as I'm beginning to draw to a close, uh, I want to say this. The moment that we begin to pray, we are entering into that experience of grace. And on your screen, I want to share with you three assurances regarding this experience of grace. So these are things that just can make us feel confident and almost comfortable that we, we actually do get grace before the throne of grace. Number one, grace overlooks faults. Would you please say that? You see... The faults, even in our prayers, are overlooked by God because He's a gracious Father. Sometimes we think that our prayers have to be perfect. Sometimes we think if we can just use the right phrase and the right word order, then it, it will be more effective in God hearing us. And 
Some of us feel, well, our prayers might be rejected if our prayers are not professional. So we try to, you know, then we get in a book and we got to read prayers because we want our prayers to be professional. But you know what? Grace overlooks faults. And this is not a throne of criticism. This is a throne of grace. Praise the Lord that you and I don't have to pray perfect prayers. Isn't that encouraging? You don't have to be professional at it. You just come before God in the right attitude. Also, our shortcomings in our lives. Some of our little personality quirks and things and issues and our eccentricities and so on. You know what? The shortcomings in our lives will not prevent the success of our prayers because Father God looks at you through Jesus. He sees you as righteous. Can I get an amen? amen? The second of three quick things. Grace interprets desires. Say this with me. Grace interprets desires. I know that people say that we should pray specific and targeted prayers. And we must say, God, I want this. And it must come on this date. And this is the color it must be and so on. And, and while I do well believe that there can be times to pray specific and targeted prayers, I believe sometimes we struggle to actually express what's deep down in our hearts. We don't have the words to adequately describe it and communicate our hearts. But then God, in His grace, do you know what He does? He interprets your desires. Deep down in your heart is something that you're trying to bring across. And He understands that because He knows you better than you know yourself. He interprets desires. He understands the intentions of the heart. Now, have you ever seen a little child? The little child is trying to explain to mom or dad that they want something. And they're trying to say a particular word, but they, they, they can't get the word out properly. Or they're trying to say a sentence and they, they can't get the sentence out properly. Now, what does the parent do? The parent interprets what the child wants to say or completes the word or completes the sentence because the parent knows the desires of the child's heart. And I want to say to you that our gracious God does the same thing. He interprets your desires. Even when there's like groanings within you, you don't know how to express it completely. God interprets the desires. Praise the Lord. Won't you say this after me? When I can't find the words... God will interpret my desires. God, grace interprets desires. And the last one, grace supplies our deepest needs. Please say that with me. Grace supplies our deepest needs. You know something, folks? Many times we are pursuing earthly riches and treasures and so on. But I want to say to you that there is something far more important than riches. It is the treasures of heaven. It is the glorious inheritance that we have as the saints in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you the true stuff that really matters is the spiritual riches in Christ. And when we come before the throne of grace, God as grace personified, he supplies those deepest needs. He freely dispenses those spiritual riches. And the last scripture I just want to read to you is Isaiah 55, verse 1 to 2. And it says here, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk. Look at this 
without money and without price. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. And I want to tell you, as God supplies our our deepest needs, as we come before the throne of grace, you know what you experience is deep down satisfaction. God satisfies, listen to me, He satisfies the human soul and the human spirit like nobody else can. And so I want to say to you, as you come before God in prayer, He wants to satisfy your soul in abundance. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's put that picture on the screen and would you all please stand? In conclusion, I want to say to you, child of God, that there is a throne. And I want to say to you boldly, there is grace. How many of you are grateful for the grace of the Almighty God? Won't you take the hand of the person next to you and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We reiterate our prayer where we say, Lord, Would you teach us to pray? I believe this is a significant year, a strategic year, and we need your help, Lord. So teach us to pray. We thank you, Lord, and we honor and regard the throne of the great I Am. May we never never come before that throne with attitudes of heart that are not right. But we say thank you, Lord, for your grace. Won't you just lift your hands up to the Lord? Lord, we just receive your grace. Here we are right now before the throne of grace. And you dispense the spiritual riches. You interpret desires. You lead us. You guide us, Lord. And so we just take a moment to say we receive the grace of our heavenly Father. And we declare that God is a good God. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.